0: To people, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad I do not feel the way you look today. I see only a couple of you got slapped. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 17. Find verses 2 and 3. We continue today with a series of sermons, great texts that have produced great leaders. study these leaders of the Reformation, we're discovering that a thousand deaths will not silence some people. Today we consider the immortal leader, John Knox, the one who was used of God to bring about a transformation in Scotland. Go, said the old reformer to his wife while he was dying, go read where I first cast my anchor. She needed no more instruction because she had heard the story again and again. And so his wife read from John 17. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And so moments before he breathed his last breath, John Knox said, it was there. It was there where I first cast my anchor." you this morning to look at where he first cast his anchor and the pilgrimage with Christ that brought him to this point of death. He was born 1505, or some contend, 1514, in Eddington, Scotland. His parents were of the middle class. Knox is said to have brought a resurrection to this which was the most backward of all European countries of that day. When he was born, Scotland was born again. Knox's parents did the best that they could and gave him a good education. After going to grammar and middle school, he enrolled at the University of Glasgow, where he distinguished himself because of his keen mind. Later, he was named professor of logic and philosophy in that great university. thirty 13 years after the Reformation had ignited in Germany, John Knox was ordained as a priest in the Roman Church of Scotland, as it's been true in history of so many clergymen that he entered the ministry before he entered the kingdom of God. Being priest, he was ignorant of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. lived in that era when Scotland, like all of Europe, was in bondage to a corrupt church. They had banned the Bible. And because of the ignorance of people, they lived in superstition and fear and oppression. And most people had a very gloomy outlook on life. Of the church of Jesus Christ, that at any time, when it should be the proclaimer of truth, should withhold and so often pervert the truth of the gospel. The Roman Catholic Church gained control of Scotland in the 11th century. And so now for 400 years, the church there had oppressed the people were under the tyranny of a political system that was subject to the pope at Rome during this time they struggled for independence from England it was during this time that God began a work in the life of John Knox as a dim light began to shine from the other reformers in Germany and Scotland and England. One day, John Knox in a monastery pulled from the library shelf some books that had been banned by the church and condemned by the Inquisition. He read John Calvin's Institutes of Religion. He was amazed at what he found there. He developed an interest to see what the Bible said because, you see, Bibles were banned even from the priest of that day. Finally, he found a Bible and began to read it. He devoured everything that he found there in God's Word. So one day, reading the Bible, his eyes fell upon that verse, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Suddenly the light began to penetrate John Knox's soul. He saw the folly of trying to earn salvation, of hoping that through the sacraments of the church that he could escape purgatory and hell. He came to understand that Jesus Christ had died for his sins on the cross, and that all that he all that he needed to do was trust him. He came to understand that indeed he was a sinner, and that he could never earn or merit his salvation. And so the gospel broke upon his heart, and there he cast his anchor. He cast his anchor in the solid rock of jesus christ and we find that that anchor held in the midst of the furious storms that would now break upon his life the turning point in knox's life in ministry came through the influence of a young scotchman by the name of george whistle This young man had embraced the Reformed faith, and he went over Scotland preaching the gospel, how that people, by faith, could come and receive the gift of eternal life. Knox was amazed at the response of the common people. There was one city that was experiencing a plague. Hundreds of people were dying. And they asked, Who can we call to turn the plague away? And they agreed that the one was George Wissert. And so Wissert came, and it's reported that he stood on the wall of that city and lifted his hands and prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. That this plague, like a cloud, would be turned away. And it was. He stayed there and continued to preach to those who were already diseased and dying. Hundreds of people were saved. John Knox was impressed. He began to follow Wizard about as this young man continued to preach the gift of faith, he came in deeper conflict with the church. They saw that he was a threat, and so he was condemned to be burned at the stake. John Knox was there that day, and he witnessed young Wissert kneeling and thanking God that he was counted worthy to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then Wissert rose and planted a kiss on the cheek of the executioner and said to them, by this token, I forgive thee. Dear heart, do thine duty. At this point, the executioner lighted the faggots, set the fire, and as the leaping flames went upward, so they took triumphantly the soul of young George Wishart, like Saul of Tarsus, who saw the stoning death of Stephen. John Knox never got over seeing how that man died for Jesus Christ. Are emblazed in him a conviction that he too must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. John Knox and other Protestants had to take refuge in St. Andrew's Castle in Edinburgh because the French had invaded Scotland with an attempt to reestablish the Catholic religion in that country. While they were there, Knox first preached the Reformed faith. That man is saved by faith in Jesus Christ. All he needs to do is simply receive the grace of Jesus Christ. The French beat down the doors and came in and captured those who were gathered there. And John Knox was chained to the rowing bench of a French warship. For two years, he pulled the oars under the whip of a taskmaster. During this time, history reports that a priest presented to the galley slaves, an image of the virgin mother requiring that these blasphemous heretics give her reverence. John Knox said, mother, mother of God. This is not the mother of God. This is a piece of painted wood. I've cast my anchor in Jesus Christ. This idol is worth no more than swimming. And so he tossed it into the water. Knox became seriously ill laboring under those conditions as a oarsman many thought that he would never live but as that ship sailed along the coast of scotland from the galley he raised up on his elbows and looked out and saw the spires of saint andrews and he said that's the place where God first opened my mouth to his glory. And I am fully persuaded how weaksoever I know went into Switzerland to meet John Calvin. For four years he sat at Calvin's feet to understand more clearly the scriptures and the reformed faith. Now in his forties, Knox is led by the Lord to translate both the Old and the New Testaments. And that Bible is named not after John Knox, but the place where it was translated, the Geneva Bible. And you'll be interested to know that when the pilgrims sail to this land, on the mayflower that they forbade the modern and recent translation of the scriptures the king james version and brought with them the old reliable sound geneva version of god's word after some time john knox made his way back to scotland where he became the leader of the transformation of that country from Catholicism to Protestantism. In 1560, the Protestant faith was adopted as the state religion of the country of Scotland. It was John Knox, the Presbyterian. His great compassion And his tremendous courage that completed the transformation that was in progress in the country of Scotland. I want us to focus for a few moments before we go on with his pilgrimage, on his compassion and his courage. John Knox, above everything else, was a man of prayer. It is stated that once he agonizingly prayed in a garden of a church in Edinburgh, and someone heard him pray, Great God, give me Scotland or I die. Give me Scotland or I die. Queen Mary of Scots once said that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than the armies of England. John Knox was a man of prayer, and God used him to change his country. You and I, if we will take prayer seriously, can change our country. But somehow compassion is a lost word in our Christian vocabulary. Oh, not in word, but in experience. How many of us are burdened? How many of us weep? How many of us are willing to say, God, give me America or I die? Do you have a prayer list? Sunday school teachers, do you take that role, that prospect list and pray through those that need Christ, those that need to be enriched and edified, those that need some changes in their lives? Prayer will make a difference. If you and I will discipline ourselves to giving time to God in prayer. Oh, that we had this kind of compassion that characterized the life of John Knox, or better still, the life of our Lord, who upon seeing the multitude was moved with compassion. Because they were sheep not having a shepherd scattered abroad but likewise Knox was a man of great conviction he had so much courage that one king at his burial said here lies a man that never feared the face of man it's true he was not afraid of the queen of his day It's reported that he came to her castle and reproved her to her face when she had condemned the Protestants. And once when Queen Mary was about to enter into a licit relationship, John Knox publicly from that pulpit in Edinburgh stood up and denounced the sin sin of the queen. She asked him to come to her castle. There she inquired why he had publicly denounced her sin. John Knox said, I don't have time to go about counseling with individuals. Why didn't you come and hear the message that God has for you? We need that kind of courage. We need that kind of conviction in the pulpits of America as well as among the people who claim the name of Jesus Christ. Last week I read this statement by Don Weidman of the National Federation for Decency. Today, 4,000 innocent precious lives of unborn babies were snuffed out Their arms and legs were torn from their bodies and their skulls crushed. One and a half million times each year, our civilized society will take innocent lives. And yet, 300,000 pulpits remain silent. 600,000 children between the ages of 3 and 18 are involved in child pornography. 20,000 of them will disappear each year, never to be seen again. And 300,000 pulpits remain silent. The networks make a mockery of Christians. The Christian faith, the Christian values with nearly every show they err. Greed, materialism, violence, sexual immorality are standard for fair. Program after program, movie after movie contains anti-Christian episodes and plots. News articles condescendingly refer to the fundamental right wing of Christians. Those who speak out for the sacredness of life are branded as extremists. And 300,000 pulpits are silent. Teenage suicide is the highest it's ever been. The number of teenage alcoholics and drug addicts is the highest ever. Christian morality cannot be taught in our schools, but atheistic immorality can. Divorce is taking approximately one of every two marriages. The number of children living in broken homes is fast becoming a majority. And 300,000 pulpits remain silent. Rape has increased 700% in the last 50 years, and that takes into consideration the population growth. The FBI says that one in four 12-year-old girls will be sexually assaulted in her lifetime. Pornography has become an $8 billion business with some of the largest companies in America involved, CBS, RCA, Coca-Cola, 7-Eleven, and Time, and so forth. 300,000 pulpits remain silent but not only are the pulpits invited how many of us who name the name of christ who believe in this book are silent we're preoccupied with our own selfish interests We don't have time to get involved in the process to change this. Some are even afraid to speak out. Some believe that there is no place for the church, the pulpit to get involved in politics. Did you see in the witness this week, the letter to the editor, from one individual who called for Charles Stanley to resign because he along with some other leaders are in an organization to elect moral Christian leaders. The only way that America is going to be changed is by changed individuals getting into the political process in the seat of government and changing the laws. There is a place, as it was true in the beginning of this land, for Christians to be involved in the political process and in the making of the laws. As you know, we stand firm against the union of the church and the state. But this does not mean that Christians should not permeate our political system in every way possible to change the laws of our land that are more and more contrary to the Judeo-Christian ethic. We need the courage of John Knox who faced Queen Mary and called her sin, sin and warned her of the judgment of God. Well, it's astonishing that Luther, Calvin and Knox all caught in the jaws of that religious and political system that was bent on stamping out Protestantism with a stake and with sword, that all three of these were able to die a peaceful death in their own beds. John Knox's anchor did not budge. Nor did it brag when the end came for him. Richard Bannantine was privileged to sit at his honored master's bed as Knox was dying. He whispered to him, "Now, sir, the time to go has come, and the battle is over, sir." You have told us about the wonderful promises of Christ. But the time is coming now when your eyes will be closed and you cannot see. And your ears perhaps will not be able to hear. But when that time comes, I'm going to whisper and I hope you'll hear me. Do you still have hope? do you still have hope? Sir, if you hear me, will you give me some kind of signal that the anchor held to the end? It was at this point that Knox said to his wife, go read the place where I first cast my anchor. And after she read those words, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. With the huskiness of death on his voice, John knocked this. This is the place. This is the place. Right first cast my anchor. Then a few moments before he breathed his last, young Richard Bannerton whispered, Sir, do you still have hope? Does your anchor still hold? Too weak to speak, John Knox raised his finger toward him and breathed his life his anchor not only in the midst of the storms of life that he faced his anchor held even to death and this is life eternal That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What is the rock? What is the place of security? The only true God who has sent Jesus Christ, Jesus more than a great teacher more than a prophet more than divine jesus is god and jesus who died for our sins upon the cross and was raised again jesus is the rock into whom we can cast that anchor into what if you cast your anchor Material things of life, pleasures, power. Have some of you cast your anchor into some other god? The other religions of the world do not give the message of Forgiveness of sin and resurrection from the grave. The rock is Jesus. The rock is Jesus. And he alone will hold. In the midst of the storms of life. He alone will hold when death comes. And this is life eternal. You see this life has not only quantity but quality this life begins now it is a different life a better life a higher life a joyous fulfilling life but it's a life that will continue from the moment that you cast your anchor all through eternity this is life eternal. do you have that certainty Is there assurance in your soul today as you face the world about you as perhaps you may this week face eternity? Do you have that assurance? You have cast your anchor into the infallible, immutable, unbreakable word of God. You've cast your anchor into the infinite love of Jesus Christ You've cast your anchor into God's redeeming grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you cast your anchor? Have you cast it in Jesus? If you have, you too can say, My anchor is in death let's bow our heads together as our heads and hearts are bowed I want you to think about these words my soul in sad exile was out on life's sea so burdened with sin and distress till I heard a sweet voice saying make me your choice and I entered the haven of rest I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest I'll sell the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep o'er the wild stormy deep. In Jesus, I'm safe evermore. My soul, in sad exile, was. Hell.